Welcome to Clef Talk, bringing you discussions on the topics that adults affected by Clef Lip and or Clef Palette have told us matter to them. Brought to you by the Clef Lip and Palette Association as part of Clefa's Adult Services Programme. Clef Talk is presented by Kate Flanagan and Nikki Davis and produced by Kenny Ardwin and proudly funded by the VTCT Foundation. My name is Nikki Davis and I'm the Adult Services Officer at Clapper. Together with my colleague Kate Flanagan, we're excited to bring you another exciting episode of Clef Talk, brought to you by Clapper's Adult Services Project, proudly supported by the VTCT Foundation. Clef Talk is your opportunity to learn more about the topics that adults born with a clef across the UK told us are important to them through the Adult Survey and Roadshow. We hope that you find these podcasts both entertaining and informative. Remember that you can keep up to date with the Adult Services Project online, including listening to this and other panel discussions again at www.clapper.com slash adult services project. You can also join the conversation on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash groups slash Clapper Adults. Today on the programme, we are sinking our teeth into dentistry and how to look after your oral health on a day-to-day basis, as well as the important things you will will need to consider if you ever would like further treatment done and what your cleft dentist and general dentist can do to support you. It's our pleasure to welcome our panel guests, Sandip Popat, David Nankavell and Don Flanagan to the podcast. Before we get into the discussion, can you please briefly tell us a bit about yourselves and your background? Um, hello, my name is Sandip Popat. I'm a consultant in restorative dentistry based at the Spires Clef Centre in Oxford. Um, I've been there 15 years and now every patient I treat has um, a cleft lip and palate. Yep. Hi, I'm David Nankivell. I um, am an adult with a cleft lip and palate. Um, I had uh, various operations as a child. Um, in the 70s and 80s and then in my 30s went back into the um, cleft um, process uh, due to some issues I had. Uh, So um, yes, I'm happy to share my experience of what happened there. Hi, my name's Dominic Flanagan. I've been qualified for nearly 35 years. I'm a general dentist My master's is in conservative dentistry, but I have a keen interest in endodontics, which is root fillings. I have taught undergraduates for 18 years, but have still a keen interest in the academic side of dentistry. So here's something we think we all know, but we're probably not as good at it as we think we are. Can you walk us through daily oral hygiene? How often should we clean our teeth and when should we do it? Well, as a minimum, you should be brushing your teeth twice a day for two minutes each time using a fluoride toothpaste. Two minutes is the minimum and brushing well may take three or four minutes, which is actually a long time when you look at a clock. 
I always think you should be brushing your teeth after breakfast and just before you go to bed. That way, particularly in the evening, your teeth are cleanest and have fluoride around them when you're asleep. Because when you go to sleep, the amount of saliva you produce drops down dramatically. So the effects of the fluoride and the residues of the toothpaste last for a long time. If you use any other cleaning aids like floss or little brushes between your teeth, you should do that after you've brushed, not before. And um, limit the amount of sugar we have in our diet. So the key thing there is everybody likes sugary drinks and sweets and things, but you've got to try and make sure that you, do, you have them with a meal rather than snacking. So if you're having tea and coffee throughout the day with even if it's half a teaspoon of sugar it doesn't matter because if you're having five or six cups a day your teeth are always bathed in sugar so you're better off having no sugar in your tea and looking at alternatives and if you're going to have a sugary tea have it with a meal and try and limit the number of those sugary attacks throughout the day because what we've got to remember is it's not just sugar that we can see is all the hidden sugars in all the foods that we eat throughout the day. So trying to limit sugary attacks to meal times is the key message there. As a, an adult with a cleft, um, I, I know all the advice and it which is to brush your teeth twice a day and use, you know, fluoride toothpaste and all, all the other uh, good things we're supposed to do. That's not always easy uh, in my experience. Um Fortunately, through some of my operations, I've now got straighter teeth than I used to have. Um, however, um, when it's really, really hard to clean your teeth uh, because of where they're situated in your mouth or, or whatever, sometimes the, the normal toothbrushes are really difficult to use. Um, and also for me, I don't know whether there's some uh, sort of historical trauma from being a child, but anything minty um, gives me a real problem. And what you find in dentistry is that pretty much everything is full of mints so trying to find alternatives to actually work and keep your teeth clean and your mouth clean um, okay. it's definitely been a challenge for me so that that i think so we, we know all the the parameters and the things that we're supposed to do uh, and we try or certainly i have tried really hard to to follow all that um but it, it seems to be a, a bit more tricky um, yeah. with my David, particular I mouth so yeah, David, I think that that's a really good point. Not everybody likes um, mint and some people have an aversion to anything minty. The good news is that there is something called Aquafresh Big Kids, which has exactly the same fluoride content of a normal adult toothpaste. Toothpaste that will give you all the benefits of using a fluoride toothpaste without the minty taste. So I know it's not a, a particularly appealing name, Big Kids, but Aquafresh Big Kids is very good. So you can certainly use that. And the other thing that's um, really important is, uh, as a rule, patients with cleft lip and palate um, have more challenging mouths to keep clean, particularly in the upper jaw. Um, the use of an electric toothbrush with a two-minute timer can be really, really helpful. And it's about 
being extra careful. The problem is that the cleft site is very, very sensitive and obviously quite traumatic. Um, and it, um, keeping that clean can be particularly difficult. But actually, it's ultra important to keep that specific site of your mouth where the teeth are often more difficult to access and you're more sensitive to. That's the most important site which cleft patients often neglect to clean as well. Okay, yeah, I, I think um, related to that. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't have said we neglect to clean them uh, for me, but it can be quite difficult because there are sensitive areas where actually, it, depending on how my mouth's feeling at a particular point, it can be quite painful um, yeah, I mean, to clean that. I've, I've got an electric toothbrush. I use that uh, regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, and with those, I've tried all sorts of different types of head to try and get the right bits that work. Um, but you're quite right, it that there are bits where it is particularly sensitive and on some days that is particularly tricky. So. Yes, no, absolutely. And, and I, I think I use the word neglect not as in don't want to, but actually it is ultra sensitive both physically and psychologically. So, you know, yes. that's something that our cleft psychologist often works through with patients because a lot of people feel that the repair and the work they've had done will become undone just from a psychological point of view. A lot of people are, are actually physically worried about cleaning in that area, but I just want want people to know that there is help out there to try and help you overcome that. The other thing to remember is that, uh, you know, all toothbrushes aren't the same. So some people buy battery operated toothbrushes. And I think the sort of one that you plug in and recharge every day is the best one, because if you buy anything battery operated from the minute you use it, it starts diminishing in its battery power. So it's really, really important to to have a rechargeable um, toothbrush, which sounds a really basic bit of advice. But the number of people I say that to and they find it surprising. The other thing I would add is it's really important to remember that there's cleaning with an electric toothbrush, which is what we call marginal cleaning around the margins of the teeth. But there's also cleaning between the teeth. And people often talk about flossing, but actually the most effective um, way of cleaning in between your teeth is to use those little interdental brushes. And again, that's where your hygienist and dentist or cleft specialist dentist come in to help you actually work out what you should be be doing. I think sometimes people buy all sorts of brushes, weird and wonderful sizes, and pay a lot of money. In fact, sometimes it's better to take those brushes with you to your cleft specialist dentist and say, these are the ones I'm using. Are they correct? Can you help me? Because I'm struggling and they will go through it with you. So I physically show each of my patients how best to use the brushes and where to use them. And that's for all, all patients, not just cleft patients, because everybody struggles to clean in between their teeth. And every patient finds flossing difficult. So the TP brushes are much more effective. Should we be flossing and using mouthwash as part of our daily routine? And again, how often? Right then, that's this is sort of a slightly more contentious issue. Uh, the the evidence to back up flossing isn't as strong as we would like, but that isn't to say that it doesn't do any good. Now, flossing can be quite difficult, and it should be carried out quite carefully in order to get the best results. Uh, it is particularly useful in areas that are difficult to clean with a normal toothbrush. So Mm -hmm. if you have teeth that have tipped or tilted, if they're very heavily filled, or in patients and people that have bridges or implants 
to replace missing teeth, then flossing okay. really comes into its own. Mm-hmm. Okay. But it should be stressed that flossing is always used as a backup to normal brushing and not something that you do instead of brushing. So you have to brush as well as flossing. Now, the evidence, again, to support flossing is not particularly strong when it comes to preventing dental decay, but does seem to be more effective against gum disease, and that is inflammation of the gums and the structures that support the teeth. So it can be very useful, those, but to say flossing will stop you getting decay is probably a little bit uh, far from the truth. Right. Mouthwashes, there are various types of mouthwash. There are medicated mouthwashes, fluoride mouthwashes, and other mouth fresheners, if you like. But mm-hmm. they should never be used in children under six years of age. Now, one of the well-known ones, which is often advertised, is based on chlorhexidine, the the brand name being Corsidil. And it has been shown to be very effective in reducing and stopping the growth of plaque, that is the soft deposits that build up on people's teeth. And this is particularly important where people have an underlying gum disease, a periodontal disease, and they're also having difficulty in getting optimum plaque control. So for whatever reason they can't get there with the brushes, then this corsidil chlorhexidine-based mouthwash has shown to be really quite effective. It's also very useful after certain surgical procedures. So if you have little operations, difficult extractions, then for the first 10 days, it can be used and it does help the healing because it controls the bacteria. But it is not particularly effective against dental decay because that is a long-term thing and it's not a mouthwash that people tend to use in the long term. It also has a tendency to stain teeth up quite noticeably and that's particularly with tea, coffee and red wine because there's tannins in it and they bind the tannins and they can make people's teeth stain up quite noticeably. So you have to be a little bit careful of that. So that's that type. There's another type, which is a fluoride mouthwash. And fluoride is extremely important in the control of dental decay. And the nice thing about fluoride mouthwashes is they can be used daily over long periods of time, you know, months, years. Mm-hmm. And it will noticeably reduce decay particularly if you've got exposed roots of teeth, there its value is even greater. So really important in those. It is also really important in those people that have a high risk of decay for various reasons. They might have a problem with producing saliva and saliva is very protective. So those groups of people will benefit enormously They may also benefit from having a very strong fluoride varnish applied in their dentist surgery. So fluoride, very good. But these these mouthwashes aren't cheap. And probably the best way of getting a fluoride mouthwash free of charge 
is using the froth that you have in your mouth when you brush and swishing it around, really squeezing it between your teeth, running it around your mouth. And then when you finished brushing, spit the froth out, but don't rinse your mouth. Then the residue stays in your mouth. And as I said earlier, that is particularly important just before you go to bed because you, the benefits will last sometimes for a number of hours. But don't expect the benefits to be seen on a day-to-day -day or a week-to-week -week basis. They will take many months, but the effects are really very, very profound and will give you a noticeable protection against particularly dental decay. Okay. And then you get the other type of mouthwash, which uh, will certainly make your mouth feel a lot fresher and they will taste nice, but you should always go for one which is not alcohol-based. There used to be, a lot of them now are based on various oils which have antibacterial agents in them, but they're not quite as good as the chlorhexidine or chlorcorsidil mouthwashes. Yeah, I think mouthwash I would liken to um, a cologne or a perfume that people wear. Um, it's very optional. The yeah. main thing is, is cleaning physically with a toothbrush and the interdental brushes. It's a little bit like cleaning a sink um, or an alloy wheel of cart with as many products as you like, unless you physically get in there and give it a good old scrub. That's the most important thing, you know, where mouthwashes mm -hmm. are, you know, add a, bit, a nice taste and some of them can limit the amount of plaque that forms. But really, it's in contact with your teeth and gums for such a short time that most of it ends up down the sink. So it's much, much more important to clean carefully around each tooth rather than using a mouthwash because people often rely on the mouthwashes giving and um, doing the bits that the brushes miss and that's not actually accurate we talk about flossing but we tend to move that on to talk about interdental cleaning so yeah. dental floss should be really limited for use where the teeth are very close together and you can't get anything else but generally speaking it's the appropriate size of interdental brush rather than flossing you'll find that very few people can floss effectively mm -hmm. and sometimes um, it's not good enough to clean the teeth so particularly as you get older the gaps between your teeth become slightly larger and the floss isn't really effect often really as effective as it could be so move over to the interdental brushes and go and speak to your cleft specialist dentist or your general dentist about what they advise so what is the difference between a cleft team dentist and a general dental practitioner Okay, so a general dental practitioner um, does five years of training uh, at a dental school and um, is able to do all aspects of dentistry. And obviously they, they have to, by law, keep up their continuing professional education by doing courses and all that. A cleft restorative dentist is um, a consultant who is part of the cleft team. There used to be 56 centres in the UK and now there are 10 or 11 centres and they have a cleft consultant, restorative dentist as part of the team. So somebody like me has gone, undertaken an extensive training programme, usually lasting about 12 or 13 years. Um, and this is including your general dental training. So we go and do a specialist training programme and we get specialist knowledge and skills in gum disease, 
root canal treatments and the replacement of missing teeth. Uh, but moreover, we're uh, introduced and more um, experienced in treating patients with uh, other specialties such as um, cleft lip and palate, head and neck cancer, um, severe trauma. So all the things that your high street dentist wouldn't do. Mm. And particularly in the cleft teams, we, we've got more experience in, in seeing cleft patients. So, for example, I see only cleft patients. So I don't see anybody as a cleft patient. You're not the, the cleft patient in a practice. Every patient that I see has got a cleft. So you're not unusual and we become more experienced in knowing how you think. And we get more used to um, treating the more complex scenarios and the sort of presentations that the cleft lip and palate population present to us. Mm. Oh, thank you. That's very interesting. Um, and this next question is um, for you as well. Um, so if I'm already seeing the cleft team dentist, do I still need to see a general dentist practitioner as well? A- a- absolutely. Um, please remember that cleft patients are certainly not exempt from getting other dental issues such as tooth decay, gum disease, tooth wear, and obviously uh, the one we mustn't forget is oral cancer. Your dental checkup with your general dental um, practice is really, really important because they will look at all the elements of your general dental health. So your general dentist will do your routine dental care. And in fact, the way we work in this country is to work on a shared care basis. So that means your cleft specialist restorative consultant and your general dentist should work together. So every patient I see at Spires um, will get a letter that goes to the dentist and I will tell the dentist what I'm doing and I'll um, make them aware of everything that you need as a cleft patient to make you healthy so your dentist may do the routine fillings manage some of the gum de- gum disease do some root canals or whatever but if it's cleft related and it's specialist tr- treatment that's what we would take um, care of within the hospital setting okay oh brilliant thank you I think you've actually answered the next question um, as well which is when uh, when should I go to the cleft dentist first the general dentist um what if so, I'm unsure which dentist I should be visiting? Yeah, so really your cleft dentist, um, who is your consultant and restorative dentistry, will usually formulate a treatment plan, which will be shared with your general dentist. Mm. And in this treatment plan, we include all the necessary treatment to optimise your dental health, as well as the specialist care that you've come to see us for. So the dentist needs to fully understand what we're planning and what's required of them. So it's all about communication. It's really, really important that your general dentist knows who we are so that, you know, we can liaise together and your dentist may say, I'm struggling with X or Y, Mm. can you help out? You know, so if you're unsure, make sure your dentist knows who your consultant specialist is and then they can work together to work out the best plan of care for you. How often should we go to the dentist? Historically, people have always gone every six months but that was at the beginning of the health service which was decades ago Mm -hmm. so it really should be done on an individual basis and that is as a result of having a good overall assessment of people's teeth gums their cleaning habits their diet and all those factors are important. So if somebody has no fillings, they have no gum problems, 
and they brush well, it would be perfectly, perfectly reasonable to see them once a year and no more. If somebody is prone to decay for various reasons, they could have a high sugar diet, they may not brush very well, or they may have some underlying medical condition such as diabetes, which increases your risk, you would certainly want to see them every six months. And that would almost certainly coincide with visits to the hygienists to back up anything that the dentist does or says. And that could be anything from three monthly to six monthly as well. So it's on an individual basis, some high risk patients would be seen every three months. Mm-hmm. up to a year so it's variable but it must be assessed on an individual basis rather than having a just a random time slot i would say with the cleft population because it's more difficult to get to the mouth and and all that i think it's quite important that you go every six months mm-hmm. and i think it's really important um that um at least every three to six months you see a dental hygienist with the best will in the world um, we think we're cleaning our teeth well but it's really really important to get on board and see a hygienist who will not only um, screen your mouth regularly and pick up any things that may be going on um, but they'll help you maintain your teeth and gums uh, uh, in in a healthy fashion and keep reminding you where you're missing and how well to clean so there isn't a one-size-fits-all of how often you should go um, following the CSAG report we've got plenty of cleft patients now who have got almost perfect teeth with just one missing tooth where um, the cleft was uh, and therefore they perhaps can go once a year but we've got plenty of adult patients who have come back into care who have undergone so much more complicated treatments that they need more um, regular care and more regular visits to the hygienist so there isn't a one-size-fits-all but I think you know seeing your hygienist uh, very regularly is probably um, as important as seeing your dentist um, certainly once or twice a year. Um, So I visited my general dentist and they told me I'd need to have private treatment if I was born with a cleft am I eligible to have dentistry treatment on the NHS instead and if so what restrictions will apply? Okay, so um, so I've sort of been around this loop myself in, in my experience. So in my experience, um, so I, I needed um, bits done on my mouth. Uh, it, it was really interesting to find out that nowadays, uh, in fact, probably forever, uh, but certainly um, we've got uh, things like the cleft team set up in the hospitals. Mm-hmm. And actually, as an adult, I am entitled to um, access their service. Um, so... So when I when I was having those issues, my dentist was the actual one who referred me into the clefting. So you can be referred to their uh, through your dentist or through um, through your doctor. Um, uh, probably Sandeep later on can explain maybe how you might be able to get in direct if you can't get through those routes. Um, but for me, it's through my dentist, and um, I, I think what's really important is that the cleft team are. As, as it says, it's, it's a team of people who know all the different bits and, and elements all around your cleft, all the bits related to it, including your teeth, um, you know, how your mouth's put together, what your jaw's doing, but also linked to things like your speech um, and, and also your psychological elements as well. So I think before 
my, my advice and from my experience, the best thing to do is um, before you go ahead and have any private treatment is to get um, a referral to the cleft team um, to be able to see um, what, what their view is on it um, and then um, take it from there really because, you know, from, from my understanding, you know, through the different uh, elements and, and the choices I was given, um, I, I could decide what my program of treatment would be. Um, I needed some bits to, to be done which um, sorted out some particular issues, but that there were then various other options that um, I, could, I could then opt to do or opt not to do, um, you know, as far as some of the, the dentistry that was available. So mm. um, I think it's very important to get that referral and to have that full conversation with the full team um, to get that holistic approach for um, your, your dental treatment. Many people in the adult survey reported being unsure of what they should learn to live with versus seeking treatment for. When should people get in touch with the CLEF team? So I feel very, very strongly that um, I always advise a consultation with the CLEF team. If you've got any problems, however minor, don't live with it. It doesn't mm-hmm. cost you anything. Go in and get your dentist or your doctor to refer you. My first choice would be if it's a teeth related concern, try and get your dentist in the first instance to refer you. Because when we write a treatment plan back, at least we're liaising with a dentist because um, doctors, with all due respect, won't have the same knowledge and experience of um, cleft related dental issues. So always get a, um, um, a consultation. Uh, remember that we don't work on our own. As David said, we have a very holistic um approach to cleft care we work as a multidisciplinary team where we have um dentists orthodontists plastic surgeons ent consultants um psychology um, clinical psychologists speech and language therapists audiologists so we've got everyone that you might possibly need and um, we have a team approach so my advice is never suffer in silence it's mm-hmm. much better to go and seek advice from the cleft teams and it's always incredible what can be achieved if you do that yeah of course no, that's great advice thank you okay great and um, so david what if i was told that nothing more can be done for me is it worth me still having a consultation with the cleft team dentist so yeah, and then you know, um, so, so who would you say would be saying um, nothing more can be done? So certainly, um, I, I maybe had that uh, in the past from dentists or, or other people, um, and then you know, just just got to try and keep it clean and, and look after my mouth um, with the hygienist, etc. Um, but I think you know, when I was referred to the cleft team, that did open up a world where there's there's far more possibilities, um, and and certainly. You know, as a maybe a middle-aged adult, um, so, so having not come through when club teams were were set up, etc. Um, you know, I wasn't used to that level of um, holistic approach, as was mentioned earlier, and I think also that um, actually the, the advances and the um, orthodontists and, and the skills that are out there now uh, means that actually mm. a, a dentist might not it might have reached the end of their capabilities and skills, uh, but it's very important actually that the cleft team or the dentists are used, as we said earlier, used to dealing with people with clefts. Uh, and I've seen uh, for myself and for other people I know 
some of the amazing work that can happen. Um, and so I would say what's very important, if you get that and, and you're disappointed or, or you're, you're, you're unsure, um, or even if you just, as we said just earlier, it's very important before you um, go forward to, to contact your cleft team um, and to, to get to get seen. Okay, thank you. Yeah, so just to clarify um, for anyone listening, so yeah, sorry, with that question, we were saying um, if you're told by your general dentist that nothing more can be done and to wrap up that it's definitely worth speaking to the cleft team dentist. Absolutely, um, yeah. 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 I, I assumed it was about that. And yeah. So, so yeah, so it, it is, you know, and, and that, that was partly my experience and, you know, visiting the cleft team uh, has been excellent. So. Okay, that's brilliant to hear. Um, okay. So, Sandy, um, what are some of the things that adults with a cleft might come and see a restorative dentist about? So, um, patients with cleft lip and palate come and see us for a, a, a massive range of, um, with a massive range of issues. So, often mm-hmm. they're appearance related, and um, obviously the smile is so important in terms of how people look at you and how people see themselves so appearance of teeth and jaws is one of the reasons um missing teeth uh in terms of when they were born without teeth um and subsequently these were replaced with um crowns or bridges so we often get patients that had crowns and crown and bridge work that was done years ago and it's now failing uh, we get a whole host of patients that come to us with speech-related issues. So often um, people have um, residual holes in their palate or fistulae, which um, have broken down or were never um, possible to, to restore. And they've just got used to living with it. Bits may come down their nose or um, things are leaking. Often they come with dentures that were made 50, 60, 70 years ago. I've mm. got patients that have, you know, had the same set of dentures for 50 years and they've never had the courage to go and see anybody else. Um, and also, obviously, people now want to know about more about fixed teeth and dental implants. So we have a real range of um, treatment op- options for these patients. Um, so it's well worth coming and having a chat. Okay, brilliant. Um, so, David, what support can I receive to help me make an important decision if it's to do with my cleft? So, I think we've covered some of this. So, um, one of the important things is um, certainly to get a referral to a cleft team. Um, they are all over the country, um, so there should be one that you can access. Um, that that's what I would recommend would be the the best place for, for me that was very good uh partly because uh as we mentioned before it's that holistic approach including things like um the, the, the psychological elements so uh it was interesting sandy mentioned about you know the, the smile but so, so for me um you know through some of my treatment my appearance changed slightly and obviously my my smile changed um mm-hmm. and also um through the speech therapy my my voice, so the way you hear me now, um, is different to how I sounded um, a few years ago, uh, which is different, again, to how I sounded like 10, 15 years before that. Um, and, and so it's it's all those bits together. I think the cleft team can give a huge range of support um, and through their through the professionals. I would also add that, you know, obviously um, we've got Clapper and, and Clapper's um, adult section um, has been set up specifically to be there for adults in the UK so um, through the full range of adults from people 
just turning into adults um, all the way through to, you know, um, pensioners and everything else. So the, the, the help is there. Um, we've got the adult services team who uh, put on the podcast, etc. Uh, and their details can be seen on the website. Um, and also we've got like the Facebook group uh, for um, support uh, from from Clapper, but also from the Cla- Cleft community, as it were, for adults. Um, and I think, you know, there's always useful hints and tips out there. Um, it is a moderated group. So sometimes, you know, if, if things on there aren't correct, they can be, uh, be sorted out. So um, I think, that the the amount of support that's out there now for for folks like us with with clefts is uh, uh, mm. streets ahead from anything when I was first ha- having the the challenges I had a few years yeah. ago. Mm. Um, so so the fact that you know we've got the adult section in in Clapper is really helpful, um, and they they can give lots of advice if you're stuck. Um, mm-hmm. Get on the phone or email them, um, and then as I said, the, the Facebook groups there as well so the combination of of all that um is is a a good range of support for you yeah and i guess just for anyone listening just to know that you're definitely not alone um and as david has been saying that there's a huge amount of support out there um and there's probably a lot of other people that might be going through something similar so definitely reach out and yeah get people to talk to about it Mm. so yeah thank you david yeah i I would just add to that so so you know for me I was in my 30s when I started my set of treatment recently, and and that, you know, that that was me with a family and a job and everything else, and, and all the questions that come up yeah. um, f- for that as well. So it's it's not just the sort of mechanics of my mouth that we were working on; it's all the other elements that are all linked to that. And the support that I had uh, was really good um, from the CLEF team and also Clapper at the time uh, but that that is now you know it was good at the time but compared to what we have you know now it's it's a whole light years ahead so there's so much uh, support from people who have been through the same thing or the experts or the CLEF teams and the psychologists and, you know the, the list uh, it isn't quite endless but it's certainly uh uh, very much more support than uh, in the past. Mm, that's great. great. Going in the right direction. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. H- hugely positive. So. Yeah, yeah. If I'm feeling anxious about visiting the dentists, what would you recommend to help alleviate my anxiety? I think, if the truth be known, almost everyone is anxious to some extent. Some people are less anxious than others, mm-hmm. but. The most important thing, in my experience, is when people tell you. Those people that tell you they're anxious, they're nervous, are easier to treat than those that don't tell you and you suddenly find out when you start treating them. Mm -hmm. So let your dentist know, and particularly what aspect concerns you. So some people hate the sound of the drill. They hate injections. They don't like to lie back too far on the chair or a number of things. And if the dentist knows that, you can work around it. Mm. If somebody hasn't been for many years, they're just a bit concerned. So simple stuff, simple cleaning and polishing your teeth to start with is an easy, non-invasive, pain-free introduction to something. And slowly, as they gain confidence in you and realise that 
it isn't unpleasant, that you can then build up to more involved treatments. So slowly does it. Okay, great. So I guess if you're listening to this and you're feeling anxious about going to the dentist, just make sure to talk to your dentist and to get them to talk through the procedure with you, to walk you through everything. Um, yeah. It's really important that if you really are struggling with um, fear of going to a dentist, get referred to a cleft team where you'll see the consultant in restorative dentistry. Yeah. Then examine you, talk to you, and he will have seen so many cleft patients and mm -hmm. non-cleft patients in the same boat and will talk you through um, what options are available and how best to manage this. Yeah. And then he or she will then liaise with the clinical psychologist on the cleft team, who again will have a significant experience in managing um, fear of going to dentists and various other fears that are, are um, common in, in various cleft types. So it's really important that they will work with you and um, put together a package of coping strategies for you. Then you can then go back to your dentist and, and uh, work with those things that should help you. So we found that's been really successful in the past. Yeah, brilliant. Okay, thank you. So if I decide to go ahead with a cleft-related procedure in my mouth, what support and follow-up will I receive from my cleft dentist? So your consultant will give you all the treatment options and go through with you all the risks and benefits of the various options. Um, as I said earlier, I've been at Spires for nearly 15 years treating mm -hmm. only cleft patients. And, um, you know, therefore, uh, I see so many cleft-related issues that I'm not phased by very much anymore you've sort of um, seen so many um, cases and I'm not saying for a second that we know the answers to everyone but because we've got the experience we know um, which direction to go in mm. so um, mm. you know you're not no longer the cleft patients you're just a another cleft patient which is mm. should be should make you feel a lot more comfortable and in terms of support you'll have access to the entire team so if have, if I've gone through all the treatment options and treatment plans, sometimes you can be a bit daunted by certain bits. And sometimes it's really helpful to have um, somebody else to talk to. And very often yeah. I'll involve the cleft psychologist who is a, not a dentist. So they will sit mm -hmm. with you and they will talk to you as your advocate and they'll sort of say, um, you know, Sandip suggested you might do this or that. What are your worries about that? And they'll work it through with you. And by the end of it, you should um, be able to um, alleviate any fears and make make the right decision. Um, and, you know, if necessary, we can involve the nurses if there's a surgical bit involved or the surgeons if it's a surgical bit or, you know, the speech and language team if it's likely to have an impact on your speech. So really, you know, you'll feel very, very well supported within um, the holistic approach that the CLEF team will provide mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. mm. oh that's great I think that's definitely what what people um, want here as well um just like how supported that they're they're gonna feel which is great and so if this discussion has got someone thinking that they would like to get in touch with either the general dentist or cleft team dentist what is the best way to do that so I think um in terms of getting in touch with a uh consultant in restorative dentistry as part of a cleft team I would I would suggest that you go to your dentist 
um, having looked on the Clapper website, because I know that they've got a list of all the centres that exist in the country. And you can say, mm -hmm. I would like to be referred to this, whichever is your local team. Mm -hmm. And um, that way you'll get to the right place at the right time. Either your doctor or your dentist can refer you to the relevant specialty. Very often new patients that are referred uh, to us get seen by the whole of the team in the first instance. And the way we work is the clinical psychologist will talk to you first. They'll put you at ease. They'll just talk about how you are generally, how you feel about things and why you've attended. And then they will call in the relevant members of the team to talk through with you um, the bits of treatment that might be important. So say, for example, you've come saying that you've got, you don't like the way that your teeth look. They'll call me as the restorative consultant then say if they say if you're struggling you think your speech isn't as good as it used to be or you're getting tired at the end of the day having spoken or you're getting fluids coming down your nose they might call the surgeon and me in or you feel that your teeth are um, more crooked than they used to be they might call the orthodontist in so really it's it, it's about um, getting referred to the cleft team and um using clapper as a resource mm -hmm. with, the right, with the right details of who you want to go and see locally and um, so before we sort of wrap things up um is there anything that either of you would like to add just as sort of one general point that you really wanted to make or anything to add to any of the questions so far for me it was um I got confused of what, what the orthodontist did and what the restorative yeah, dentist did. And, and why was I seeing someone different than actually I know now, but, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, before yeah. before I knew. Yeah, that's fabulous. Yeah, and, and everyone, to be honest, um, that's a really important point because um, I did a little survey some years ago and mm -hmm. everyone knows what an orthodontist is because they've been involved with cleft teams much longer than restorative dentistry has. And mm -hmm. somebody said to me, um, it's really good because I thought um, orthodontics was the end point for me. And what we do as restorative dentistry is like the icing on the cake. It's the bits that sort of make you smile, make your teeth lighter, reshape your teeth. And we know from a lot of evidence that if you, you, if you feel confident about your teeth and your smile, you feel much better psychologically and it's much, much, um, much, much healthy for your mental well-being as well. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's a really essential part. And I'm really delighted that, you know, 20 years ago, uh, we were, um, you know, they they reorganised cleft services and included us as part of that team. So um, I'm not saying for a minute we've got all the answers, but we certainly know where to look for the answers and we know how to signpost you in the right direction. The other thing I would add is if any patient with um, a cleft lip and palate is being told to go privately and the fees are extortionate I would say to them stop uh, get yourself a referral to your local cleft team for a second opinion it doesn't cost anything it costs you time but it could save you thousands in terms of unnecessary or inappropriate treatment okay that's great thank you that's um, a really important point yeah that is definitely um, so, yeah, so that's all we've got time for on the panel discussion this month. Um, we hope you found this discussion to be useful in helping you look after your oral health and knowing what treatment options are available. Clapper is the community for all those affected by cleft with any issue, so please don't hesitate to get in touch with us. 
Remember that you can access more information and listen again to this and other panel discussions on our website at www.clapper.com forward slash adult services project. If this discussion has made you wish to seek support, please contact your CLEF team and request a referral to the CLEF team dentist. You will find the details of your local CLEF team on our website or in your levels pack if you've received one of these when leaving the CLEF team. Alternatively, if you're already being seen by your CLEF team, feel free to talk with them about any of the content of this podcast if you'd like more information. We'd like to thank our panellists, Sandeep Popat, David Nankfell and Dom Flanagan for joining us for today's discussion, as well as a big thank you to you for joining us. Make sure to join Nikki and myself again next month, where we'll have a Cleft Awareness Week special looking at the topic of emotional well-being. It's a podcast you won't want to miss. Until then, take care and bye for now. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to Cleft Talk, brought to you by Clapper and proudly supported by the VTCT Foundation. We want to know what you thought of the programme so that we can make the next one even better. If you found this interesting, please make sure you subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud or your favourite podcast player. Our next podcast is coming at the beginning of next month. Check out www.clapper.com forward slash Talk to find out what we'll be talking about next. We want your questions to take to the panel. Visit our panel discussion page on our website to submit your questions. You can also check out everything we're up to with the Adult Services Project, including a list of our upcoming programmes and events at www.clapper.com forward slash Adult Services Project. You also can follow us on Twitter and Facebook. We look forward to talking to you again soon. <laughs>